That's what I got. Play around with things at night. Mm-hmm. Sassy, like what joke to start what? the show? Bro. We didn't start. I mean, we already started. He started the show. Oh, it's we're rolling. We're don't live. Act like you didn't know. We're live. Don't don't be that guy. <laughs> is this kind of dirty, underhanded shit that makes you look bad? I'm trying to. Protect I mean, this your is the image. reason why we're not sponsored. No, this is it, the reason it, why you were not sponsored. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've got hormone replacement therapies brought to you by Transcend. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Arun is in some type of mood. Arun, say hi. Hi. You want to explain what's going on there, you know, back there? What kind of mood am I in? I don't know. I just felt, it feels like it might be salmonella from last week's trash can <laughs> water can incident or something. Wow, sorry, I was going with that. You've had a lot of health issues recently. I just didn't, you know, uh. didn't know if it was dumpster diving that got you there. <laughs> dumpster diving. I can't. <laughs> I listened to that episode, which drops tomorrow morning. <laughs> and every time I listened to it, I was like, what the fuck was, what was going on? It was funny because you, you see my reaction live, like, remembering, wait a minute. Yeah. I, he actually threw it away. Yeah. And then I literally talked about replacing a clip that I didn't replace a clip in on the YouTube video. Right. I was like, oh, shit. You, so you, you guys get to see us looking at my phone for like a second. <laughs> right. It's not exactly what I would call uber professional, but it's real. It's tactile. This. You know that we are doing this for you, with you, for you, with you, for you, and with you know what? Stop it! All right, so we got uh, some interesting hold things. On, hold on, hold on. Uh, I'm mid fucking, fucking intro, dude. Hold on, bro. You just like this is now two episodes in a row. Yeah, man. Welcome back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. You know we can do that at any point in time. No, no, no. Like we could do like this intro thing, like a long, like storied intro, like they do in movies, like I don't know, Spider Verse. And then you have like this, like after the 10 minutes, you drop the intro right then because you hooked them in the beginning. I heard Spider-Verse was not so great. Uh, it wasn't so great because there was a sequel to it they didn't tell you about when you got into the first one. Mm. So you didn't get, you know, you didn't reach the climax. You didn't get to finish. Is that, you, you familiar with that feeling? I am. Mm. Yeah. I'm a soldier. I get in that mental zone. Yeah. I got to get to that ending. But you don't. Sometimes. Right. I am my own worst enemy. Okay. All right, speaking of getting to the ending, can I get back to the, to the beginning? Yeah, what we got today? <sighs> did you want to finish the whole financial literacy podcast thing? I already did. Okay. Oh, you're done? Yeah. It's very awkward. I apologize, everyone. Um, apparently, both Arun and Saeed are feeling some type of way today. Is this Just because, do your job, Chris. Is this because, <laughs> is this, is this, be, <laughs> this because like, your hair's not long enough for a man bun, but you got a hair clip in it? Like, is this, are you feeling some kind of way? Is it like pulling on your hair too hard? Yeah, okay. Last day of hair transplant month. Aware- oh, oh, hair transplant hair loss awareness month. You insensitive prick. Yeah. See, this is why us transplant survivors don't out ourselves. You, We're not visible because people like you have hate. You consider this being a survivor. All right, so Warren Buffett has made some interesting choices as of late. And in doing so, I think it's an indication of what you should all be concerned about. Um, Sai doesn't have any thoughts on the matter because he's a moron. (laughs) We also know that 61% of Americans are, in fact, living paycheck to paycheck. We'll get into a little bit of that article, but uh, the headline kind of says it all. U.S. consumer spending uh, ironically surges in July. So I would call that to be a little bit uh, confusing. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the labor markets are losing steam, apparently, which is a good thing if you want the Fed to pause and not increase rates again, despite, what, 12 members of the FOMC, was it? Yes. Wanted. They wanted a terminal rate of 550 to 575, which would be No, 20. 550 to 6%. So anywhere between. So some would want a 25 basis point increase, and some are willing for another 50 of that 12. So obviously there's a good portion of them that do drugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what we're saying here. And then, uh, yeah, we had a PCE print. We have uh, U.S. department stores seeing higher credit delinquencies, which kind of dovetails nicely into the spending thing that we talked about. And then uh, we'll be lucky if I don't stab the shit out of Saeed by the end of the show. Yeah, let's see if we make it. I don't think we will. No? Yeah. A lot of sass coming from you today. You want to talk about what's going on? Why? You're that guy, dude. What what guy? Yeah, you're that guy that projects, like, what you're feeling inside, and you're trying to put that on Odun, and now you've pivoted onto me. Don't. Wow, this is how that you've talked about it. You want to talk about it, Chris? Yeah, yeah. This is. I'm glad we brought this up. I'm, this is actually a good moment. Okay? okay, this is a prime example of what gaslighting is. 
This is gaslighting. My, I'm, yeah. I'm gaslighting. You have now gaslit me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You deserve You're it. You're trying to convince me that I'm wrong for doing right. You are wrong. No. Arun did nothing wrong me. coming into the show. He came prepared. He was ready to start the show. He let you eat your steak that you ordered from Wood Ranch. We all sat around and watched like you. Dirty. Yeah, like he thought, like Chris thought he was the liver king before the show, eating a steak with his hands from Wood Ranch. They didn't give me silverware. Mm. But did you ask for silverware? Why do I have to ask for silverware on a like a Postmates? Because no one thinks they're delivering it to an office. They you had silverware there. What? Yeah. You've never used Postmates, have you? <laughs> You never have, have you? <laughs> All the you, time. What are you talking you about? You do? Yeah. So you eat out a lot. I that have explains before. a lot of the rotundness. Oh, me or you? You. Stop. You went out. You have one workout this week. And one. Now all, now all of a sudden, like, Don't you're, you're do an expert. This. Don't do this. We'll get but, in another competition. We could talk about our friendly competitions. We could, I can get in a competition the, all day long with you. I have you, the data point. I have the data right here to prove it. Five competitions. This is the the five one that, and oh. This is an Apple Watch competition. This isn't like I actually lost weight oh, and made a substantial okay. change mm. in my life, kind of competition. Speaking of which, how's your semi-glutide shots working out, Arun? Great. Yeah. He didn't know what that means. He doesn't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> You've lost seventeen pounds, right? I'm assuming there's a little bit of you know pharmaceutical help. Twenty. Twenty pounds. Yep. Wow, good for you. This yeah. guy. Are you, are you on something seriously? No, just literally been eating clean. Was, would you would you admit to uh, well, being I'd on admit something? To it, if I was doing cocaine, I'd tell all you guys, like, guys, jump on this shit now. Speaking of which, uh, before we get into the, the show, there is a um, special. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, called Painkillers. Yeah, on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Peter Berg directed it. Okay, and uh, it's about the family that. Uh, that was that owned the pharmaceutical company that created uh, OxyContin. Yeah, I saw him go on Rogan and uh, pimp this out. I heard a few snippets of it. It's good, man. You yeah. already watched it? I've watched part, not all of it, but I've okay. watched part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I heard him discuss it, and it sounds like it's going to be really good. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. I didn't realize it's literally just heroin. Right. And how the people got employed who used to work for, uh, it's it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So. Speaking of big business and pharmaceutical companies and people who know the markets, we just, for reminder's sake, had uh, Michael Burry. Michael Burry was the man who called and shorted the market for the Great Recession. He is uh, the main character in uh, The Big Short, the movie. Right. It's about his wager against the markets. And uh, he's an interesting character. And just a couple of weeks ago, he bet about a $1.6 billion aggregate net bet on um, the markets going down. Mm -hmm. He's, again, shorting the market. I think a lot of people caught that and were like, okay, wait a minute. The real number that he wagered was different, but whatever semantics, he's shorting the market, okay? Right. But he's been wrong. And you even pointed out on the show, Saeed, that uh, he'd been wrong before. So even though he may have called this and there's a movie about him and it's a big deal, eh, I don't know. It's not like he's the greatest investor of all time. No, he's not Warren Buffett. Definitely not Warren Buffett. Well, Warren has now entered the room. <laughs> Like, hold my beer, yeah, he, Michael Berry. He officially entered the chat, and uh, according to the street, Warren Buffett just dumped $8 billion of stock. Here's why economists are worried. If you're an economist and Warren Buffett dumps $8 billion of stock, you should be thinking, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, worried would be an understatement. Yeah, that, that position that we said that we're taking back the call of a recession later, no, yeah. we think is we still have a chance at a soft landing. What does that 90-something-year-old man know that I don't? Man, this guy... Well, the sell-off signals Buffett's, quote, anticipation of a recession and the fact that stocks are currently pricey, end quote, he said. It's also consistent with his long track record of piling up cash in the anticipation of storm clouds ahead with the capacity to pounce on bargains once the storm hits. Mm -hmm. Also very relevant given the hurricanes in the East Coast. So fascinating position for him to take what i will say is the man is dumping eight billion dollars to go cash that is not a mistake and just in this quote you see he thinks that there's a recession ahead something we've talked about and you think that stock prices are currently pricey something we've also talked about mm -hmm. and just to reiterate the stock market for those of you who might be new to the show or may have missed the episode if you wanted to boil the stock market down to its really bare, kind of like simple logistics, 
it's really just a discounted cash flow. And I know that sounds like a complicated term, but basically you're betting on the profitability of companies. Are they going to make more money or are they going to make less? If you think they're going to be making more money, the stock price should go up. If you think they're going to be making less money, the stock price should go down. And yeah, there's always people who invest for the future and the long-term possibility that this company will continue to grow and scale. But you're really talking about them making more money over time. Like Tesla is a great example. People were investing in them when they were still cash flow negative because they believed they had such a huge upside. And therein lies the second part of the market that most people miss. It's not just the cash flow, the discounted cash flow. Is it going to make money? Is it not? It's also the behavioral economics, the perception of potential in these companies for the long term. Right. And aside from those two things, you can look at all the data they put out in their public filings. You can look at so many of the trends in these charts that you see online. But really when it comes down to it, those charts you're seeing trending up and down, they're just kind of timing behavioral economics. They're trying to look at why things are happening. And sometimes you can guess, sometimes you can't, but it is a form of gambling beyond that. Right. It's simple. Yeah. Um, so he heads the, you know, famous company named Berkshire Hathaway, right? And so they've now, their cash position is $147 billion. Yeah. Right. So they're really in, he's got a track record of piling up cash this is what the article went on to say mm -hmm. of piling on a lot of cash right before trouble times are ahead and like you like you mentioned he sees that stock prices are pretty high and here's a problem with someone like warren buffett michael berry is his own okay but when someone like warren buffett does this it could sway the markets whether it's gonna happen or not gonna happen because he impacts the behavioral economics piece of that equation exactly he can convince the market that something is afoot because he's taking a step and people emotionally go oh shit right what does he know that i don't this is the greatest quote investor in history right if someone like him thinks that okay businesses are not going to be as profitable down the road and mm -hmm. the stock prices are too pricey that's going to impact the expectations of a lot of other investors out there when that affects their expectations it's going to influence their behavior what the, what are they going to do they're going to start to probably hedge their bets as well, too. Or if they they don't have the liquidity or the funds to hedge their bets, they might sell off, right? Cash in now. And then what will that do? That could ultimately trigger a recession. And going further into the details of the article, over the past three quarters, Buffett has sold $33 billion of stocks, which amount to $38 billion more cash in his reserves, ostensibly for a ro rainy day, <laughs> the article says. Um, so here's what I'll, here's a, some context. Okay. Um, Warren Buffett is, is a guy who's pretty simple. He's not complicated buying into strategies. Like he's very, very simple. And I look at this from kind of like a 30,000 foot worldview elevation. And I say to myself, maybe it's just as simple as the fed has now started to signal. They may pause and hold. They may increase rates. But now more than ever, it seems to be the probabilities like the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the World Interest Rate Probability from Bloomberg, have all indicated that there's a pretty consistent belief that the Fed is going to hold. And while there may be another rate increase on the table, we are near or at the end of this tightening cycle. Near at the, exactly. So most likely going to hold at this next upcoming meeting in September. And I believe there's, as of right now, there's a 50% chance of an increase in November as of right now. Right. So let's, let's kind of walk this through, right? If that's the case and he believes we're at the near tail end, that means this entire time we have been talking on the show right. about the implications of this on earnings and an earnings recession are really what he's concerned about. Going back to those two things, that cash flow, the earnings, right? Mm -hmm. How much are these companies going to make and the behavioral economics. If you isolate the, the human element, the behavioral economics, and you just focus on the, the cash flow, the behavioral economics here, uh, the, I'm sorry, the, the cash flows. He believes that now stocks are going to make less or companies are going to make less and their stock prices are going to go down. So he's going to sell at this, what he believes to be a perceived high point because he thinks the value is going to go the other way. Exactly. And I wish we could act, like have him sit down and, and talk about this. And I want to know what is it exactly that worries you the most? Is it all the commercial real estate that's going to be coming due over the next two years? Is it, you know... Uh, household debt reaching all times high and student loan, you know, repayments coming back online. Does he think that, oh, wait, 
Um, I'm hearing and seeing that for sure the Fed's going to increase at least another 25 basis points. And to your point, a couple episodes ago, that means 1,100 banks will be cash flow negative, mm-hmm. right? Or, yeah. or does he think there's a true AI bubble? I, I really do think that's a huge part of it. That's the behavioral economics piece. Uh, go down the last paragraph yeah. on this page, Arun. I wanted, and that's the part I kept signaling to Arun. Can you scroll yeah. up? I want to read that last sentence right there because this shows he understands the weight of what he does. So let, let's just go through the three paragraphs here. I think all three of them are good. So as he sells off stocks, the Oracle of Omaha doesn't seem overly pessimistic about the U.S.'s creditworthiness so that the country is not going to default on its debt obligations and about the likelihood it could default. He's been buying up treasury bills as he continues to stockpile cash. And this is a very common thing amongst people who have a lot of money because treasury bills are paying slightly more than things like high yield savings accounts are now. You can get north of five and a half percent or almost, you know, five and three quarter percent, depending on what kind of treasuries you're going into. But that's a very common place to put your liquidity. Why would some people choose to go this route, a treasury bill, as opposed to maybe a CD? Uh, well, I mean, number one, I think you're going to get more money in the treasury bill from a rate perspective. Slightly more, right? Yeah. yeah. And number two, you're not locking it up quite the same way you would in a CD. Yeah. Uh, CD rates are also interesting because they're usually tied to a bank. Yeah. Uh, treasuries are generally the place the wealthy put their cash when they're waiting to get back into the market. And yeah. this is a very common thing. And he, he went on to say that, um, you know, they, they he sold off $8 billion of stocks and that they'll probably do another $10 billion here uh, next week. And it's just they want to decide whether it's going to be three-month treasury bills or six-month treasury bills. Yep. And the question, yeah, being that those two are, are pretty interesting because they're really locking them up for shorter periods of time mm-hmm. and getting a better return. So if you wanted like a 5% CD right now, you're probably north of like 12 to 13 months or so. Whereas if you go into a, a treasury bills at three or six months, you're probably going to get higher rates in a way lower lockup period, right? Right. So much better for, for most people. These are some of the things that uh, people shouldn't worry about, he continued, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Because, you want to read the next part? Yeah. This is one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, he's trying to say, like, don't worry about what I do. Because like, he, he knows he could trigger the market. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't want to shock the market or have any play in that. But unfortunately, when you're at the size that he is, I mean, there's, it's unavoidable for him. So, I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, okay, th- this is worrisome. If you're an economist, if you're in any company in the world that's publicly traded, if you hold stock of any kind, you should be thinking, okay, are, are the values that I have right now, are they at their height? Should I sell? What are the tax implications for you if you do? You have capital gains you need to pay. You know, is it better to hold cash? Can you go into treasuries? How much liquidity do you have? Most Americans won't do anything. They'll just let their money ride and ride through this recessionary economy on the next. That's okay too. But I would say there is a fundamental problem for most American households that's going unaddressed. You're right. As of uh, July, 61% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Inflation is still squeezing budgets. This, according to, of course, my favorite source recently, CNBC. Um, This number's up slightly more than last year's 59%, according to Lending Club. The report came from them. Yet recent releases show that at least compared with the soaring inflation of a year ago, consumers who have been squeezed by higher prices should be experiencing some relief. June and July both saw easing in the pace of price increases with core inflation up 0.2% for each month, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Right, and that 0.2% uh, for core inflation refers to the uh, personal consumption inde- uh, expenditures. PCE. PCE, that's the Fed's you know preferred gauge on inflation. So this actually ticked up the other way which we cited on the last episode what the expectations were. Yeah. And it actually came in right at the expectations that it ticked up higher. Um, so this will be the last PCE report right before their meeting. So if they do hold, right, it begs the question, this would this would indicate that maybe you would increase it another 25 basis points. Um, I, I am very if uncomfortable with this next meeting. If, if you've come out, if you've came out and said, we preferred looking at PCE inflation and we, and more specifically, Core inflation. Well, PCE, core inflation, just went up when it, it had been going down up until now. Right? So if they do decide to hold, which we all think but that they are. very incrementally. Yeah, still. Still yeah. a tiny bit. Yeah, yeah, and it just remains sticky. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. But what I thought 
what I, I was thinking about this while I was preparing for the show tonight, and you know, we constantly talk about how are they going to declare it we're in a recession? When are we going to be declared that we're in a recession? We're going to see negative GDP growth for two consecutive quarters, mm-hmm. right? And I, I, I feel like people are waiting for it to come on and be like, okay, now we're in a recession. No, like we're already feeling the effects. I truly believe we've been in a recession since last year. Yeah, I, I understand that the GDP prints are you know north of two percent, and Q two actually got revised up, I believe, right? Um, and you know Q three right now is signaling somewhere above five percent. I feel like I, I'm feeling the effects of what a recessionary economy is. So let me let me put something in play. Let's say you had two quarters of negative GDP growth, mm-hmm. and let's say that unemployment started to gradually move up, right? And let's say that during this time the housing market seemed unstable, going up and down a little bit, but not really going anywhere. Yet the market seemed to grow. And then after all these things happened, the stock market starts to go down. Home values start to go down. And unemployment continues to rise. You would say that's probably a recession, right? Right. That's what we're doing here, man. That's exactly what's going on we right now. We just haven't got to the other side of the numbers going down yet. Right. Expe- and therein lies a lot of the hesitation and the concern by the Fed. Mm-hmm. We've experienced all the telltale signs of a recession. Obviously, the National Bureau of Economics has not declared it. Mm-hmm. It's just a longer time from last year to now that's a long time longer than any like wind up to any recessionary economy before in the history but it follows an unprecedented period of economic stimulus unprecedented you know stimulus checks given out to individuals and businesses ppp program all the stimmy checks that were handed out i mean it's it's astonishing to think that people thought it was going to happen faster right if your friends and family are thinking like they're waiting for it to be declared it to be a recession and, and then that's when you need to start worrying right like think about it you need to experience six months, according to the National Bureau of Economic Research, six months of uh, negative GDP growth, basically two quarters, right? Two consecutive quarters. And then however long it takes them to come out and declare it. Yeah. Right? By that point, the effects have already happened. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you had already prepared by then. I mean, you, you right now you referenced the housing market. It got me thinking um, tonight while I was prepping for the show, the rule of thumb that I always heard um, one especially like over the last, you know, five, seven years prior to all the rate increases that it makes sense to buy a home if you're looking to live there for at least five years. Yeah. That that was the rule of thumb that I had always heard, right? Yeah, Beca- right? And the reason behind that is you want, one of the main reasons is to build up some equity in the home, mm-hmm. right? Um, given where interest rates are now, man, that number's got to... That number now has to be revised to seven to ten years. Yeah, your hold period has to be longer if you bought now. Yeah, so if you're looking to buy a home, I, I would hope you're reconsidering now. And that rule of thumb that people have always talked about is no longer five years. It's now seven to ten years. And then I went down and I played around with the amortization calculator. You know I like to play around with calculators. And I pulled, I pulled this up, and this is the reason why. Arun, should I take the bait and go for that, or should I just let that go? Yes. Let it go, man. Yes. We haven't had it in a while. I haven't had it Get in a long it. time. Get it. So when you pop in numbers with your fingers to these calculators, yeah. and they spit out an answer for you, does it make you happy? It makes me very happy, especially when it proves that I'm right. So it, I was messing around with this calculator, and let's just say you bought a home that's $500,000. Was it a cheap calculator or was it an expensive calculator? It was Google, so whatever. Google's amortization calculator. You're paying for expensive calculators. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's say you bought a home for $500,000 and you put 20% down. You got a loan for $400,000. Okay. Very simple, right? And you say you you recently bought this home and you got a rate of 7.5%. Which okay? might be a good market rate in today's economy. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, so you get you know your conventional loan, 30 years fixed on this loan. And the reason why we're going through this is to show you why you would need to stay in your home for longer, okay? Your monthly payment on that $400,000 loan today would be just short of $2,800. Of that payment, only $297 goes towards principal. You know what? So you hit in a hitting a real sensitive topic for me, and I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to sound off and name names, but I'm going to do it. So, so let me just finish this point while I still got people's attention, then I'll let you hit your point. Nobody, nobody's paying attention. No one's paying attention. So they got, they got off when you started talking about the calculator. Right. So of of your $2,800 payment, 
$2,500 goes towards interest. So this is the way amortization works when, when you get a loan. At the beginning of your loan, a majority of your payment goes towards interest. And over time, it changes little by little every single month to where the interest comes down and the payment slightly goes up. So at the tail end of your loan, it's going more towards principal, right? The, you know, the $400,000 that you initially borrowed because um, the bank wants to make their money up front before you know you pay off the loan. Um, so that's why you now need to stay in your home for at least seven to 10 years to build up enough equity in your home, especially if we're anticipating you know, values to come down another 10 to 15%. So I've done a little bit of scrolling on the interwebs. Mm -hmm. I've been uh, on social media and uh, I've come across some names of people with this never-ending bullshit sense of just delusional optimism. They almost always can, quote, teach you because they sell a course. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they don't. They want you to invest with them. And it's so goddamn infuriating because it's almost like this narcissistic, denial-based perspective is pervase and permeates these younger minds because they eat up this hustle culture bullshit. And it all came from that stupid-ass Wolf of Wall Street movie. And I was a huge fan of the book. And I was a huge fan of the movie. But what it's done to people has fucked them up. Yeah, the generation of kids that idolize. The guy goes to jail at the end of the movie. Right. That's he the, goes to jail. That's, that's the beauty behind acting, right? Like, you can actually root for, like, a bad guy. The second book he wrote, which I read before the movie came out, was called Catching the Wolf of Wall Street. It was all about how he got caught and all the fucked up things he was doing. Less about glorifying, more about, hey, I was doing X, Y, and Z. They caught on to it. And I, I, mean, I look at this stuff and I think to myself, like, these real estate agents, the, the, the Grant Cardones of the world. Somebody, somebody literally defended him on a, on, a, on a site that I frequent, or a page that I frequent, and said, I have money with Grant Cardone and he's been paying me on time every year for the last four years and I'm getting 5%. Yeah, okay. You locked up your money for 10 fucking years with a guy who has unilateral discretion on what to do with it in pro forma projection, cash flow with equity upside. Like I'm going to try to get more rents out of this property at the start of a recessionary economy. And you're getting 5% and you're bragging about it? Bro, you can go open, not a CD, just a high-yield savings account right now and get more money than that. I mean, the average rate of return on the S&P 500, if you were to hold it over that, that period of time, would have been 10%. So I'm just saying, like, the, the delusional nature of people who are, who are like, okay, just because you get paid on time, but they're not looking at the macro picture, the facts. Like, you were, you were brought into an investment, and sure— he has lots of lawyers and people to protect him and lots of cautionary words and carve out and all this boilerplate bullshit. But are you really doing better than you could do on your own if you bought a property right now? No. And it's almost always fucking real estate agents who invest with this guy. I can't remember. Did we ever dive into what was the, the minimum investment amount? On uh, him? Yeah. So he has two different classes. I went down this path because I wanted to see for myself. And as an underwriter yes. who's familiar with public filings and securitizations, and syndications, I thought, okay, I'll just get into this. He has a class A, which is his accredited investor in some of the funds. I, I'm sure it's different. I only looked at, like, I think Cardone REIT 1, and I looked at, um, he had some kind of real estate investment trust. I looked at that, too. Um, but the real estate investment trust specifically had two. It was a class A accredited investor, which the larger people, people who had a net worth of $250,000 or more and 100000 liquid. Oh, that's right. I remember going over right? this. That's right. And then he had a class B which was anybody with $1,000 or more to put in. And, and if Class A members would get paid out first before the Class B members. And a lot of the Class B members hadn't gotten paid since the real, the real estate investment trust, the REITs establishment. Right. But then, is it illegal? No. Is it immoral? Maybe. I mean, Is yes. it unethical? Probably. Yeah. But that, you know, th therein lies the problem. And I've always had a problem. Oh, yeah. Everyone's bringing up uh, Cardone Capital's website. I... I I've looked at some of these properties. I've actually never visited this. this you haven't? Yeah, I've, I've been to this property before because I had to kind of like peruse through to try to figure out which, what is, on what. Everything is 10x, 10x, 10x. Yeah, 10, they're all 10x's <laughs> and stuff like that. And look, all these properties are, you know, in Florida. And, and Florida is one of those markets right now where I'm 
very worried about the overbuilding of the economy there. I mean, you know what worries me the most about them, and it's such a subtle part of underwriting? Mm. Just the insurance premiums alone. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, none of these places, and it's, it's not just in Florida right now. It's actually all across the country. But, I mean, primarily Florida, like, the insurance premiums on some of these properties now have gone up so much because of the natural disasters that they've experienced that, and when these loans originally got underwritten, they were underwritten at a significantly less insurance premium. That premium by the by itself would make sure that those properties aren't cash flowing anymore. Oh, yeah. Not including interest rate, not including the fact that you couldn't get those upside rents. Yeah. And Jeff- a lot of these properties are on bridge debt. Right. And so, And it's not just Cardone. I know that I'm picking on him a little bit, but... There's so many people that are in the flipping business or I buy distressed properties. and flip. What the fuck world are you living in so right explain, now that you're buying now? So explain to people what bridge debt is. All right. So if you get in a room, I do want to read the rest of that. So don't leave this page. Um, so if you're buying a, a property that's distressed, you're buying a property that has under market rents or, or vacancies in it, right? A normal lender isn't going to give you long-term financing for that. They're going to give you a bridge loan. And the reason why you don't get long-term financing is it's typically not going to cash flow. So bridge loans typically have higher interest rates, much shorter terms. Think about one to two year or maybe even 18 months, something like that. And then they're, you're, they're due and payable. They have a balloon payment. You got you to pay them off. Typically speaking, most people will get bridge debt and then refinance long-term debt. And they'll spend that year, year and a half getting the tenancy, the occupancy, the property looking nice, and the cash flows up. But in a market like this, and let's say it's commercial real estate, right? There's a lot of people who are on the internet who are, quote, big believers in commercial real estate like retail and industrial. Are you going to be able to get tenants in right now? I mean, not with a recession right around the corner, right? Let's say you got office space. And if you want a breakdown on cash flowing for commercial real estate and, you know, multifamily actually falls under commercial real estate as far as banking goes, um, we did a, a one of, I believe, our first episodes in this studio. We did the big commercial real estate episode. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that was a really good, good one. That was that was well received. So if you were curious to know more about that, go check out that episode. Yeah, that, that was a pretty good episode on, on just how cash flow works, how they're underwritten, and kind of the bigger process. Mm-hmm. So there's all these people. So here here's the way that this kind of like balance goes, and this is the same thing in the '80s with the seminars that were really really prevalent, and it pisses me off to no end. Um, is as people started seeing more people making money. And now with social media, it's much more in your face. The cars, the lifestyle, the travel, everything, right? People wanted to join in because of the FOMO. And then it pivots. And I think we're already seeing this where it's not just FOMO, it's fear now. People, are, they're running out of money. We've talked about savings going from $500 billion down to $190 billion, right? This fear is kicking in. And this fear is now the reason why people invest. It's not just FOMO. It's like, I'm afraid I'm not going to make it because I'm losing money now. My credit cards are racked up. All-time non-household debt. All-time, you know, $1 trillion in credit card debt. And this, this article talks about, same article talking about the 61% of adults said living paycheck to paycheck. Some 70% of Americans admit to being stressed about finances, according to a separate CNBC Your Money Finance Confidence Survey, Financial Confidence Survey. Conducted in March, largely due to inflation, rising interest rates, and a lack of savings. Only 45% of adults say they have an emergency fund. For those who do have emergency savings, about 26% polled said they have less than $5,000 saved. I believe it. That survey found that 58% of Americans, again, are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, I believe it. And it's not, and what's worrisome to them is, Okay, they probably heard inflation, but they're wondering, let's see, I wonder how it's impacting me. Maybe they saw it at the gas pump. Maybe they saw it when eggs were basically gold, right? But I think when they started to see their minimum payments on their credit card bills spike up. Like, Are you sure about that? Wait a minute. What, wait, what, what's going on? Yeah, I'm sure about that. And I know, I know what you're referencing, but delinquencies are on the rise. So Macy's, Nordstrom, and Best Buy all came out this week. and That was they, a well-placed article hop. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like that. That's, that's yeah. very done. They uh, they're seeing a rise in credit card delinquencies and a decline in actual credit card spending. Right. Um, so here's a quote from the article, which I thought was absolutely insane. Uh, this is an article from Reuters, uh, I believe. Odin, it's yeah. Right. Does anybody else think of hemorrhoids when people say their name? Reuters, hemorrhoids. <laughs> no, Am I the only guy? You've experienced You're hemorrhoids, right? I have not. No. Yeah. 
I've got a lot of ass problems. That ain't one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Soon to be. I've had colorectal surgery, and I know everything down there is tightened. Tightened yeah. in. You know, yeah. tighten up is good. Yeah. 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 It's been sutured shut. Okay. Yeah. Uh, U.S. Department of State see higher credit delinquencies amid strained spending. This is from Reuters. And here's the quote from the article. While consumer spending remains relative, relatively resilient according to U.S. retail sales data, investors and experts say rising delinquencies could signal growing pressures on some consumers. The percentage of delinquent payers rose from 23.1% to 38.2% year over year between the second quarters of 2022 and 2023, with the biggest change among consumers in their 40s and 50s. This according to the Federal Reserve Bank wow, of St. Louis. 40s and 50s. would not have called that one. So if for those in the 40s and 50s who you would think have managed their funds better or have learned how to manage their funds better, what's that? what does that mean for you know, 20s and 30s. There is an argument to be made, and I don't know if there's any fact to this. This is just my supposition, that in their 40s and 50s really started to get professional success in their 30s, right? Well, they've had the last 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation. They got this bravado that I'm a good entrepreneur or I'm a smart business person or I'm a good saver because they've had these 14 years of prosperous times, and maybe they they were a little bit uh, too confident in those skills because everybody the last 14 years did well. Right. I mean, we even started a podcast, mm-hmm. and we yeah. suck. I mean, it's not costing us much. Just not our anymore. time. Not anymore, brother. Cheap, 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 cheap. I feel like we both started off with black beards. And- Dude, photos of me from like two years ago are very aesthetically different. Oh, man. My wife says she notices it more when my uh, mustache is thicker, so when I trim this down, it looks a little bit better, but... When let me, let me tell you right now, that <laughs> no. that, that moves quickly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, it was the year after I, we had our son, and I'm not relating it to him. I think it was just that period of my life was stressful anyway. But yeah, I went gray like overnight. Yeah, yeah. Just my beard though. My hair is fine. Sky Odun, he's going gray. Yeah, he is. But he's got so much goddamn hair. It's, it's so dense. So dense. It's it's incredible. Right. It's more like the like the furry bristle of a bear. Yeah. Like, I'm very jealous. Yeah, what do you do, Odin? Do you shower or do you just like? I shower twice a day. Twice a day. Yeah. I shower twice a day too. I'm be- How about you, Chris? Uh, typically speaking, twice a day. <laughs> unless no, no, no. Unless I don't work out at night, and then I won't shower. Too many showers bad for your skin. Come on, come on, man. It is. If you don't, if you don't work out, you walk around, you sweat all day. Bro, I'm not like some sweaty asshole walking around sweating all the time. Bro, you're walking. You have. I I know you. Oh, I know what's going on here. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation for me to have with the two of you, but I think it's probably going to be very helpful so you understand a lot of people in society. Uh, and this, this will clear the topic so up. So you're opening up to us. No, I'm really opening you up to the world. Yeah, well, I know that's how he doesn't open up a lot, so I'm just saying. He's, like, uh, he's, he's going to try to expose you. you know, Aaron, that, is, that, is a, that is a very well-placed point. You really don't share anything of personal value on the show. You like to share about other people in your life, but never about yourself. Really? Deflect. I'm, deflect. I'm, yeah, yeah, it's all deflecting. Really? Very deflective. I'm willing to share. Really? Yeah. I've had colorectal surgery, a hair transplant. Mm-hmm. What have you had? Um, I had 133 stitches on my arm that I almost died when I was 14 years old. That's the closest thing I had to surgery. What do you want Ooh, from me? No, uh, sure. What do you, what do you want <laughs> sure from me? Sure, the one about law school. What do you no, want? we already did that on a previous show. Which one? How you got punked and bitch slapped in a parking lot. And almost no, died. no. Um, oh, I got jumped. Bitch. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> it took me a second to register. Yeah. No, why you slept on the couch on your back? Oh, yeah. That was that was a tough time too, man. I, I was under I was, situation. I was under my mom's insurance. Um and I was going to law school at the time. And um I had what the doctors had thought was a cyst in, in the middle of my chest. Mm. And I, went, I remember this, by the way, very vividly. You were very, you were very distraught this whole time. Well, it was. I mean, when you hear the rest of the story, I mean, you might be able to understand why. So I, I go to get it removed, thinking it's a cyst, right? They take it out. It was, turns out to be an ingrown hair. Nothing, nothing, nothing serious, right? I'm like, okay, great. They close it back up. They stitch it up. After they stitch it up, two weeks go by, and I turn 26 years old, and I fall off my mom's insurance. Sure enough, a week later, the wound opens up, and they're not. Co- I can't even go back. They. They're not. I'm not covered by my mom's insurance anymore. No one's willing to see me. I have to start paying out of pocket, and it's just opening up for months. Six months. It remained open and it wouldn't close. It wouldn't heal. So I would sleep on the on my couch, um, in my apartment, and 
the apartment that I was living in was not insulated. It was it was bad. It was in downtown Orange. And it was be freezing in there to the point where if you would just ex- exhale in, in your living room, you could see everything, your, your breath come out. So I would sleep with like a heating lamp on my couch because if I rolled over, then my sheets would get all, all bloody. So for six months until somehow one doctor figured out that what I needed to do and it, it closed up. Terrible time. Really, really tough time. See, does that, does that make you feel vulnerable now? <laughs> maybe, maybe feel a little bit like a bitch. Is that why you don't share stories? You, yeah. you sound like a bitch when you said it too. <laughs> it was a tough time, man. Yeah. I don't know why he wanted me to share that story. Because you don't share any stories. That's well, why he yeah, wanted to share so The one about your arms, like you were a kid. I was 14, yeah. I went for another time. Yeah, like 30 years ago? <laughs> no, man. 20 years ago. I was going someplace for all this, but you totally took me by surprise with the fact that you shared something. I don't, I don't even. I don't even... I'm gonna, no, I'm going to share more stuff. I just. You were going to talk about your butt. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I wasn't going to talk about my butt. You talk about your butt a lot. I'm very obsessed with my ass. Yeah. Talking about like not showering and like. Oh, that was it. Yeah. So, and I was going to help you guys understand this concept because I recognize there's a, there's a, there's a biological reason why you don't understand. Okay. okay? Um, when you're skinnier, <laughs> okay, you don't have as much fat insulating your body. And because there's less fat insulating your body, your core temperature does not rise mm. to the same degree as somebody with, you know, call it a little more rotundness. Mm. And uh, that sweating that, that you have during the day, yeah, uh, someone of my even current body fat percentages does not endure. I actually don't really sweat much unless I'm working that's out. Why, that's why you wear those uh, sweat-wicking uh, compression shorts? No, I wear those because um, what led oh, wow. to my colorectal surgery <laughs> was not a pleasant experience. So I keep everything in the groin crotchal anal region real clean and dry got you yeah, yeah. i am very well manicured i've had laser hair removal mm. i uh i use baby powder still like i keep things clean baby yeah okay yeah you could eat off it no stop it this I guy mean, uncom- you, you wouldn't want to but you could this got uncomfortable really really quick not for me i'm yeah. very open sharing so the uh, u.s labor market loses steam as job openings resignations decline that was not a good segue yeah, that was a. Hard we, did, we needed we needed to get out of this quick. This is this is from I Reuters. I feel like we could have gotten right into it. <laughs> this is from Reuters. Um, basi- Reuters. Yeah. So basically, what happened this week? Jobless claims uh, came in below expectations, which is not a good thing. Uh, two hundred twenty-eight thousand. They were expecting two hundred thirty-five thousand. Basically, what this report is is how many people are claiming that they've lost their job and are they want to claim unemployment, right? Um, so they wanted it to be higher. It in and of in. itself, the number is not a huge problem, but combined with things like core inflation, yes, uh, you could be sending mixed signals to the Fed. Right, exactly. And then the ADP private payroll came out. Which is a dog shit source of data. I'm just going, I hate the fucking Jolts report because the jobs number is always revised, but mm-hmm. you never hear about it. And I really don't fucking like ADP's data. Right. And so this actually came in. This showed that the you know labor market actually slowed down, so it was actually one that's favorable for the Fed, and hopefully the uh, non-farm payrolls that uh, you know the jobs report that people mostly cite that the Fed likes to look at um, that one comes out tomorrow. And here's what I'm here's what I'm worried about: On is ADP first. so full of shit that tomorrow, September first, when that number comes out, yeah, the, the, it's going to be wildly different than this, right? And just for for those of you who care. There's a great article we, we quote on a previous show, you can find it on Seeking Alpha, that talks about the job numbers coming out, non-farm payrolls being a, a great example of it, right? And these are government-sourced like, data. They come out, they're pretty supportive of the Fed in most cases in their decisioning, and they're revised not once, but twice down over the course of the next several months. But you never hear about those revisions down. Right. You could argue that's politically being manipulated. You could argue that it's just the way the data is collected. You could argue a lot of things. But the fact of the fucking matter is every single jobs number that's come out from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Get it out, buddy. The Bureau of Labor Statistics has been revised down twice. Down once and then down a second time every single time for the last three or four months. Yeah, it's true. But so um, out of this report comes something that was that really stood out for a lot of people and this is the one that people are starting to cite um that 
there's a, a section that they reference job stayers and job changers, right? How many people decide to stay at their job, percentage of people, and how many people decided to actually change their job. So both of them came in this, at the slowest pace since 2021, which yeah. uh, which signals that, you know, the expectations of a recession may be on the horizon for even, you know, people out in the workforce that now is not a good time for me to leave the company that I'm working for. I mean, you got to feel that way, right? You have to. I mean, you, you've heard you've heard about the layoffs. You I mean, even if you're not interested in this, it's it's out everywhere. Everyone's talk. Everyone's talking about it. it. Well, I mean, look, you go to a different company. Let's say you're in banking. Mm-hmm. You go to a different bank. What are the odds? They're not having trouble too, dude. I was I sh- I sent you a picture. We went to the mall this past weekend and we bought the kids some vans. It was a great picture. It was a great picture. I, I yeah. should uh, put it up or give it to all of them. Basically, what it's, it was a it was a little sign right above like the kids' vans, mm-hmm. and it said something to the effect of "Inflation is not rad. We've dropped our prices back down to uh, you know whatever levels from a, a year ago or two." Years I'm gonna ago. find that photo. Hold on one second, there, Sugar. Did you send it to the group chat or to me directly? No, I think I sent it to you directly. Oh, Arun, he doesn't love you, dude. Arun wouldn't care. You wouldn't I was, care. I was there with him. Oh, were you really? <laughs> wow, thanks for the invite, you dicks. What a bunch of selfish I got it right here. So inflation has not been rad. New classic pricing will help. We've adjusted our pricing on select classic styles to pre-inflation levels. Yeah, that's, that's cool, man. That's cool. So then we bought the, we bought the kids a uh, pair of vans. They needed it back to school. I love vans, man. Still do. Still a huge vans guy. Yeah, Adam's really, you know, I actually um, never got a pair as a kid. Uh, but he's really into the checkered ones, the ones that uh, you like, the slip-ons. I love the, the original checkered vans. Yeah. And I found a, a passion for them later on in life, even though I was skateboarding when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Still, you, were sk- you were skateboarding, huh? Yeah, I did a lot of things as a kid. You know, people didn't know, like, um, uh, Yamazaki, uh, who was my last sensei, just passed away. He was, he was I never, I'll never forget, he had a studio in Anaheim um, that my dad took me to. And... Um, when you walked in, there was pictures of Conan the Barbarian, Arnold Schwarzenegger dresses Conan, wow. and Yamazaki training him for all the sword play in the movie. And Yamazaki talked about him all the time, right? And at the time, I was super young, but um, they trained the shit. It went from like my dad, who's a fifth degree black belt, like training me in my whole time. What whole style life. of mixed martial arts? Uh, that's Gojuru. Um, okay. But before that, oh, I'm sorry, no, that was Raibu. My dad was Gojuru. That was Raibu Kai, um, Kempo. Okay. Uh, or form of. But. Um, I'll never forget, I went there, and then my dad always had me training one-on-one with him because of all the stuff that I'd done before when I was younger. The stuff that I look back on they had me doing was wild. They would have, they had a chain that was hanging from the ceiling, a single chain, and they had put a tube through it, and they wanted me to do pull-ups on it with the chain, like, in the middle. So if you tilted one way or the other... Right, need would, to be balanced, yeah. Yeah, they, wow. they would, they would push-ups on your fist. I mean, all that, like, traditional, like, weird shit that for was, like, kids. for kids. For kids, yeah. that would be, that'd be really difficult. Wow. So, but they had a full room that was padded. And that's where all the, the grappling and everything else happened. Yeah. And they would fuck me up. They, that cannot be legal today. Yeah. Wow, man. But uh, he just recently passed away. Yeah. Oh, man. R.I.P. Um, um, our kids recently, so a cool story about Adam and his uh, and Arya's uh, jujitsu journey. Um, lately, they haven't really been super eager to go. I wonder if it has something to do with the heat that's been going on. So if they said they, they weren't feeling it, we, we wouldn't. I was like, I'm not going to force it. You know, it is what it is. But I'll I'll keep suggesting it every day. And then, sure enough, the other day they said they wanted to go, so we took them. You guys don't have like scheduled regular classes, uh, so it's you can come uh, any day of the week. You can come up to three times a week, right? Uh-huh. And then, um, then the more the more you come, then you get offered your testing to get your belts or your stripes on your belt. And so they basically got their first red stripe on the second belt, the gray and white belt, mm-hmm. and that basically marks the halfway point on the second belt, right? And um, they both got it; they both passed, but. Uh, it was really interesting. Now that Adam's in a separate class, uh, he gets there and he waits for an hour. So I have him usually work on workbooks on the side or he sits with me and we just talk. We watch we watch the younger kids. And this time we went in and he wanted to ask the professor, uh, can I be one of the coaches? Like he wanted to be a kid coach. Oh. Right? And, I, and that came all on his own. I'm like, well, go ask, you know. Um, he might let you. He might not. And then he got really shy. He didn't want to ask. He's like, no, he's like, he didn't think he deserved it or because some of the other kid coaches that are kid coaches, they have way higher belts than him. So like they're in the yellow belt range, right, which is significantly higher. Um, So he didn't want to do it. So I had to have this talk with him that, listen, even if he would have said no, at least you would have known that he said no. Yeah, and he would probably have told you what you need to do first. Right. Yeah. But if you don't, if you don't ever ask, you're never going to know. 
mm. right? And this, and he actually had this, and it was one of these like groundbreaking moments we had. We were talking about it when he was laying in bed, and he was one. He said, "Has this ever happened to you?" Like I was like, "Oh, buddy, it happens to me all the time." I had nobody ever told me about this, and I I had to tell him like, if you can master this. Now, learn how to do this now. Put yourself in this position. I'll keep reminding you. I'll keep pushing you to put you in this position. This will be a superpower for you later in life. You know, not only with friends, but with work. I mean, I didn't with tell With the me. ladies, you know what I mean? I mean, that's yeah. what also that was hinting What's at. What's up, girl? <laughs> you know how you know doing? I mean? Yeah, you know? exactly. So then the next day, we ended up going back the next day. Asked him, do you want to go again? He said, yeah, I want to go again. On oh, um, the coach actually ended up, the professor actually let him be a coach. So he really, really liked it. He thought it was cool. He was walking around helping the other kids. And then the next day we went back and he, he got the confidence to go and ask him again. Ah, cool. So I was like, oh, yeah, it was, really, it was really cool. So, yeah, they got their red stripes. It's weird to me how like, the belts are very different depending on what style. Do they still have to memorize katas and stuff? No. I mean, not at not a, the Gracie class. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That was such a huge part of, like, getting belts when I was a kid. Mm. Like, it wasn't just, like, your skills. You also had to memorize, like, katas all the way up. Mm. To memorize like certain routines oh yeah but the routine is so basic i mean they've already memorized so many other moves like the it's really really basic right now uh, i think right now it's just you gotta learn how to like fall and break your fall and like protect yourself and have a technical lift up mm. but that stuff is really really basic i mean they're pretty advanced adam's full-blown like learning submissions and he's submitting like kids <laughs> left and right to the point where i have to tell him like hey that kid's not ready for your submissions like ease up on him let let him let him beat you yeah yeah so it's um it's interesting it's kind of the same thing i do with you i let you beat me once in a while because you're not ready for the competition really yeah i mean look how proud you are of it i'm really proud yeah, i've done that for you i'm really i've proud. given those wins to you have you yeah do you feel like you come in more prepared than me to the show yeah here here this show this this show that we record you and i in don't order. lie chris without a fucking question of a doubt are you high <laughs> I'm coughing on purpose. Too. Yeah, no, no, you're Billy Goating. <laughs> Billy Goating. <laughs> uh, Although you did a really good job last last show, not not doing a whole lot of that. Yeah, yeah, you you were clearly trying to. Uh, maybe it was a salmonella you're getting from the can or something that cleared it up for you. But yeah, dude, I feel like I'm totally prepared. Yeah. Look, here's a problem. I'll be honest. We got a problem. We, yeah, we got here's a problem. Let's hash this out. Is I think you overthink. The preparedness and i see you when you go into the notes because you know obviously it gets it gives me an alert mm-hmm. but here's the thing i think people want to hear more of saeed's personality and personal thoughts than they want to hear of like whether like you're correct or not on the analytics and the data i mean i tried to give that a little bit tonight too i said listen i don't care if it comes out that it they declare a recession or not i feel like i'm in a recession right now i i truly believe we've been in one yeah. for a year i think that I think that, you know that gray bar and all the charts that goes up and down that highlights a recessionary period? Yes. And we have one that's small and kind of narrow for the COVID recession. We have one that's much bigger for the, the Great Recession. I think this one's just going to be a wider gray bar. Yes. On all the charts when in the years to come. And I think that's why the National Bureau of Economic Research is like, yeah, I ain't telling them yet. Fuck that. Yeah, I think, I think here, here's the problem. Here's the other problem. They're going to have a real problem on their hands. When a lot of businesses are start to report that they're not profitable and there's a sharp economic downturn mm-hmm. and they're, they've been reporting positive GDP growth, like leading up to it. It's like, wait a minute, there's something now those reports are going to be called into question, no longer trustworthy. Yeah, look, I'll go out on a limb right now and say you will start to see that sharp pivot in September. Have to. September is notoriously the worst, worst month in the markets. Everybody's back in school focusing on their kids, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have student loan debt repayment starting. You have unbelievable credit card debt kicking in. 61% of consumers living paycheck to paycheck. You have the potential of 25 basis points on the table, whether it's big or small. Credit tightening cycle will likely get started then. Credit tightening cycle is likely already starting now and Mm -hmm. be felt then. I mean, Mm -hmm. we reported on then. Right. The negative news cycle will start to kick up. And then you're going to be shortly after that, a year out from the next recession, next election. You've already got the candidates spinning up. I know. What's Biden going to do, man? He's he's already come out on a limb and been like, hey, by the way, all this stuff that you guys are experiencing right now is Bidenomics. Bidenomics? But I didn't choose that name. Yeah. But I will happily use it. And then when this shit hits the fan, he's like, yeah, 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 about the Bidenomics. That was, that was 
Kamala-nomics. Yeah. He'll go, I, is she alive? I haven't, I don't know, where is she? I haven't seen shit from Kamala Harris. Where is she? I, I, I sort of got him the Democrats killer. You know you know, you know who I've seen more of? Uh-huh. Is uh, your boy. Mitch McConnell? <laughs> yeah. Every time this that man son, freezes. This poor son of a bitch, I feel so sorry for him. Bro, I, I didn't want to do this today. I just, right. I just Googled Mitch McConnell age, right? And he's in his 80s. Okay. But then all, you know how like when you Google something below it, it's like similar searches that bring up all the other people and their ages? Oh, okay. So Pelosi was there. All, and I'm sitting there looking at like all these aging senators. Why are they running the country? Like, okay, first of all, okay, let's be honest. We all got grandparents or, you know, know somebody who's about that age demographic if you don't have grandparents. Mm-hmm. And there's always people in their 70s that are very, I know some 75-year-olds that ride their bike 100 miles a week that are very connected, very smart. But- I would say the overall majority of people, whether they're mentally cogent or not, are not the ideal demographic to connect with most Americans anymore. They grew up in an entirely different country than we have today. Not only that, man. There's something about um, the senators being that old that scares me with, you're not going to be around to deal with the consequences of any of these actions. No. You know, and that that's the part that bothers me in... I don't know if the thought process for others is more like, well, they're at the end of their age and they want to leave a good lasting legacy. But it, it scares I, me. I, it scares I disagree me. with that because some of them, look at Mitch McConnell. You've now frozen twice on the new, like national, like press, press conferences. It's made the rounds in the news. Like it's a thing that now lady, where like. That lady walked up on him, like talking to him like it was her grandpa. Like, did you hear the question, Senator? Like yeah, and he, he was just stuck. I feel ba- I, honestly, I feel bad. I feel bad too, but at the same time, like, bro, I I feel worse for the people that you're trying to represent. Like, you are not the guy anymore, bro. Well intended, mostly healthy or not. Like, if you're having problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 <laughs> problems, but, but you ain't one. Mitch, <laughs> Mitch ain't one. <laughs> well done. <laughs> you're good at this. Yeah, thank you. I've been here for a while. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> you think I was gonna work Jay Z in, right? I uh, got to some way. Yeah, because you, you know what I you, you have you caught on to what I do? Like anytime any artist that you reference, then that's the song choice. No, I know. Yeah, or it's a dick joke. <laughs> it's <laughs> one of the two. Always. Yeah, we've uh, we've got an hour, despite the fact that you thought it was gonna be a forty minute episode. Yeah, you know, some of the listeners may have wanted that, but it's okay. We provided value. There's tonight. nobody who wants less of this. No, there's nobody. I mean. Consumption rate's there. Y'all like it. 90%. And if you do like it, you know what's the best way you can show us? You can leave an honest five-star review, which we have not seen a new one in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, last one was our boy Vic. Vic Ramirez? Yeah. Vic, Vic something? Vic Ramirez. Yeah. Stud. Stud this guy. So you can go on Apple or on Spotify, leave us that honest five-star review, or you can head over to YouTube, smash that like button. And hook up. With a subscribe button. Yeah, and ring that notification bell. Turn them all on. Dude, I, I, I feel so corny when I say this. You, you do it every time. You do this wrong on your face. Because I feel so corny. Leave us yeah. a comment down below if we sound as corny as we think we do. Not we, him. Yeah. Not 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 me. Arun, you've been oddly quiet again back there. Every time you do that, I get really worried that you're eating nachos. Or just have a heart attack. Dude, he wanted wow. to bring. Wow, come on, he, man. He wanted to bring some chips. That he had in about the car? a salad tonight. He twenty won- pounds down, I believe it. Yeah, but damn, twenty pounds down. How long? How long ago did you start, Odun? Six weeks now. Six it's weeks. When Marcel's mom came into town. This is yeah. like crazy. Okay, thirty-five hundred calories. Let's do this. Do this maths. The maths. Okay, thirty-five hundred calories per pound. Okay. Right. Am I right or am I? Was it wasn't it two thousand? No, it's. You got to burn 3,500 calories to lose a pound. Okay. All right. Okay. You times that by 20. Over six weeks, you've consumed, you're in a caloric deficit of 70 grand. That's wild. I mean, that, dude, first of all, that's a healthy amount of Why are you trying to be discouraging, bro? That's wild, bro. I'm just saying, what, what, was, your, what was your base metabolic rate? Dude, it's a bit. Okay. Fuck him. Don't listen to him. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean,. This guy's got a pear-shaped booty anyway. Don't listen to him. You don't well, want to be Uber, him. You're Ubering home tonight. Yeah, I'm you're the, Ubering home. I'm the villain, dude. Arun, you take, that's a great cadence. It's it's impressive. Are you working out at all? Or doing I'm proud of like, you. Uh, no, not diet? yet. No, just the diet part. Dude, he's lost 20 fucking pounds I'm, off just diet. That's I'm impressive, proud of dude. I'm proud of him. Hold on. You brought a salad tonight. Uh, that's dedication, man. Dude, that, the other night. Don't, don't try to too? fucking co-sign it. 
The, well, the Chick-fil-A you had was, uh, well, do you have the fries and all that shit, too? What do no, you have? I just got a salad. You got a salad. I did have a bite out of the mac and cheese. That the yeah, they give it free. to you for free. You got to do that. Yeah. You measure, you. Are you measuring anything? Measuring protein intake or anything? Nope. Just eating a lot of meat and protein. Stay How much away meat? From Bro, I am so... Stop, um, pervert. Try to be serious for two minutes. Sorry. I'm just I, like maybe two hands worth? I am super... <laughs> too, okay, God damn it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Oh God, I love it. <laughs> Why has he got to be measured with two hands worth? <laughs> I'm not even gonna make the gesture. It goes from my pinky <laughs> to my thumb, <laughs> and then I line it up. <laughs> Some hands are bigger than others. So you get a lot of sausages. <laughs> is what you're saying? Some hands are bigger than others. I know your wife is very petite, so hopefully she's not using her hands to measure the meat. Yeah, uh, but. Um, Hey, look, man, I'm very proud of you. Did, you did a great job. And, and, uh, Keep it up, yeah. man. Keep it up. Thank you. And uh, look, if you just start walking, dude. Don't even like. Don't even start working. Like lifting weights. Just start walking. You'll, you'll lose a ton more. Only yeah. reason I haven't is because of the ingrown toenails. Still need to get. Clearance. Oh, that's right. Still need to get clearance from the doc, which I was supposed to have an appointment today, but got caught up with work. So after I come back from SAC next week. Guys going to SAC town. That cool guys call it SAC. <laughs> I have no sack. idea what cool guys call soccer. Are you going to pack your two handfuls of meat when you go to the sack? Sack. Yeah, I'll just pick some up over there. Sack. You're going to pick some meat up in the sack? <laughs> well done, man. All right. You got anything else? No. I'm good. I'm Say Gucci. It. I'm Gucci. Odun, you got anything else? Nope. All right. Good night, everybody. If you're having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 <laughs> problems, but Mitch ain't one. That was the best. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>